0: Well, good morning to you. Good to see you. Uh, If you have a Bible uh, with you this morning, please turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And after we pray, we'll be reading verses 7 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7. Good to see everybody this morning. Glad you're here. Did you enjoy the sun yesterday? That was amazing. You know, it's only in Minnesota that you sit outside on a day like that and actually try to get sun, you know? Still like 35 degrees or something, but you just think you're on the beach somewhere. I mean, that was great. Well, let's pray. We'll get started. Father, we just bless you. We praise your holy name. We thank you, Father, for the gift of your son, Jesus, that in him, through faith in Christ, we might... Have new life, that we might be called your people, and that at the end of this life, uh, at some point when Christ returns, we would be raised again from the dead to be with you for all eternity. That is our hope. That's the Christian hope. And we're grateful and we are thankful, Father, that during our lives here on this earth, you have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit. And as we think about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, again here this morning, we do ask for your grace, for the presence of your Spirit, for the help of your Spirit, and we trust that you will do it, Lord. We thank you in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Reading verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, as Apostle Paul, he says, "...to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit." Amen. Amen. I I started uh, a few weeks ago a series on 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When you first come to Christ in faith, uh, the Bible says the Holy Spirit now lives within you, which is an amazing gift. And this Holy Spirit within you now starts to empower you with different spiritual gifts. And in these three chapters in 1 Corinthians, God teaches us about these spiritual gifts that Christians might have. And we're spending a few weeks on these chapters. This is my fourth sermon now in this series Uh, you can go to our website to find the others, there's just some important foundational stuff there, just to kind of remind you of the context of 1 Corinthians. This letter, 1 Corinthians, was written by the Apostle Paul, and he was writing back to a church that he had started in Corinth. Now, there seems to have been some division in this church at this point uh, on several different issues, and one of the issues causing division was this uh, idea of the spiritual gifts. Some Christians there had apparently elevated certain gifts of the Spirit. The gift of tongues in particular thought they were more spiritual, spiritual, it seems, is if they had that gift of tongues. And other Christians there, it seems, who did not have that gift of tongues, well, they wanted to forbid the gift of tongues altogether. It just caused too much disorder as far as they were concerned. So there was division there. And Paul here, he addresses this issue of the spiritual gifts. In the verses that we just read, Paul is stressing that there is a variety of gifts. There's not just the gift of tongues. They're all given. All these gifts are given by the same Spirit but there's a, a, a variety of spiritual gifts. I looked in my last sermon at verses one through 11, we were just kind of pulling out some general themes in this long passage, and for the next couple of weeks now, we will focus in on just verses seven through 11, looking specifically now at the different gifts that Paul mentions here, and just kind of flesh out these, these different gifts. Paul lists nine spiritual gifts. We just read them. It's not an exhaustive list here. The Bible in other places mentions other gifts that Paul doesn't mention here. You could look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12 later on in this chapter or Romans 12 or Ephesians 4. 1 Peter 4, other spiritual gifts not mentioned here, but for the purpose of this series, we will focus primarily on the gifts in these three chapters, starting with the nine gifts that Paul mentions here. We won't look at these gifts in the order that Paul gave us here. I've tried to group these gifts in ways that might be most helpful for the purpose Of these sermons. And today we're simply going to look at the gifts of faith, healings, and miracles. Before we do, however, I just want you to notice again that very important statement that Paul makes before listing these nine gifts. Paul basically gives us a little thesis statement here, a purpose statement, a primary reason for all these spiritual gifts that God gives to Christians. If you look again at verse 7, Paul says, "...to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good." So, to each, or to each and and every Christian, the Spirit gives different gifts. A, A manifestation of the Spirit, Paul says, which is a significant statement. The particular gifts that the Spirit might empower in your Christian life, well, Paul says that those gifts are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit himself. Those gifts operating in you are a visible, tangible expression of God Himself. John Piper says this He says, God is manifested in your life in the spiritual gifts. God, the Spirit, becomes visible through you. And just pause. God, the Holy Spirit, becoming visible through you in and through the spiritual gifts that the spirit might operate in your life. D.A. Carson, I've told you, he wrote a fantastic book on the gifts of the spirit. If you have not read it, I would highly recommend that you get it. The title of D.A. Carson's book was Showing the Spirit. And he's saying with that title that that's what the gifts do. They show the Holy Spirit in our midst. God himself manifesting himself in his people, which is an amazing thing. And the ultimate reason for all of these spiritual gifts, well, Paul just told us there, verse 7 again, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. These gifts, spiritual gifts, are for the common good of the church, the body of Christ around the world. Spiritual gifts are given to each in order that we might help one another. Or, as Paul says elsewhere, they're given for the upbuilding of the church, that we might strengthen, comfort, encourage one another. It doesn't mean that you will never benefit individually from your spiritual gift. You will benefit individually as you use your gift, but you receive gifts not just ultimately for you, but ultimately for the good of the church at large. So that's Paul's thesis statement, this umbrella statement, it kind of sits over all these gifts that he then mentions. And he then gives examples here. Nine different gifts the Spirit might give. And we're going to focus today on just faith, healings, and miracles. And you know, when we look at these particular gifts of faith of healings and miracles, please hear me on this. We, you know, we really first need to dismantle a few things. Uh, we need to probably tear down some false, unbiblical ideas about faith and healing and miracles, and then we need to rebuild a proper biblical understanding of those things. Because here's the thing, and you know this: there are lots of crazy ideas today concerning faith and healing and miracles. Just think for a second about those first two gifts and kind of put them together. Faith and healing, or faith healing, or faith healer. Now, what comes to your mind when you hear the phrase faith healer? Many of you have probably thought of some fraud, some scam, some guy faking miracles on TV to get your money. Because we've seen tons of abuses with this idea of faith healer. Men, for example, like Peter Popoff, a self proclaimed faith healer, made millions on TV, millions of dollars claiming that God was revealing to him, on the spot, the names and diseases of those in his audience. And he would just call people out by name. And he would then say their sickness, and he would say, you're healed, proclaiming it over them. He did this for a long time, made millions, and then was exposed in 1986 for using an earpiece. His wife, in the lobby, was interviewing people when they came in, getting their names and their sicknesses, and she was then relaying it to him through his earpiece, and he was calling it out on stage, made millions of dollars as a supposed self-proclaimed faith healer. And he then went bankrupt, only then to reappear early 2000s, promoting his miracle spring water. Just buy it. And drink it, and you will be healed. It's just a flat-out abuse of these gifts of faith and healing. And there have been many others like him. So many, in fact, that Hollywood now makes movies about con artists faith healers. Like the movie Leap of Faith. Steve Martin as Jonas Nightingale, self-proclaimed faith healer, using his revival meetings to scam money out of the people in Rustwater, Kansas. And you know, there's so much crazy stuff on these gifts out there today. Many Christians today just live with a very unbiblical concept of faith and healing and miracles. There's a story in 2011, the Oregonian paper, you can look it up, Dale and Shannon Hickman, members of a church in Oregon, they were sentenced to six years in prison. And why? Why? Because they simply refused to seek medical attention for their newborn son. He was born premature with a midwife, weighing less than four pounds, nine hours after birth, his health failing. And the press release said, quote, The father responded by praying and anointing him with olive oil instead of seeking proper medical treatment. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying and anointing your child with, baby, with, with, with um, olive oil and praying for your child to be healed, but then use wisdom and, and seek proper medical attention. They did not, and the baby died. Probably thinking if they did seek medical attention, it would show a lack of faith, which a lot of people have been taught, which is just an abuse of biblical teaching. And at the trial, pediatric experts testified that if they had sought medical assistance, the infant would have had a 99% chance of survival, and they served 75 months in prison. And stuff like that is happening all the time now in our day we hear stuff like this abuses unbiblical misguided beliefs about faith and healing and miracles and you like to then just jettison all of it and just get rid of it but that's not the answer because we believe that the spirit still gives today all the gifts of 1st Corinthians 12 to 14 at different times including the gifts of healing uh, of faith healings and miracles but man we just desperately need a biblical understanding of all of God's spiritual gifts. So let's think about these three gifts here for a few minutes. We'll start with faith, the spiritual gift of faith. If you look at verse 8 again, Paul says, For to one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge. We'll look at those next Sunday. According to the same Spirit. To another is given faith. By the same Spirit. Just pause and think about that for a second. You know, the Bible has just so much to say about faith. We we see several types of faith in the Bible. Theologians talk about a saving faith, but then a sustaining faith. But then also Paul talks here about this special or this gift of faith faith. And that first kind of faith, saving faith, is a faith that every true Christian has. You trust in Christ. You trust in his saving, atoning work uh, upon the cross. He lived, he died, he rose again to pay the penalty for sin, to bring you back to God, and you trust in Christ. You begin to follow Christ as your master, and you're saved by faith, a saving faith. But whenever there is a true saving faith, there will also then be a sustaining faith, that second type of faith. It's another faith that every believer has. It's the faith that you now exercise daily as a Christian. It's just this ongoing dependence upon God in your Christian life. The Christian life is not, hey, believe once and you're saved and then you're done, No, a lot of people think they're Christians because they think they believed once when they were young and now they don't believe anything and they still think they're saved. A true saving faith, that initial belief in Jesus will lead to a sustaining, ongoing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's now this Hebrews 11 faith running your Christian race now in faith. So that sustaining or, or saving and a sustaining faith both possessed by All believers in varying degrees of strength, but Paul then mentions here a third type of faith, a special or a gift of faith. And Paul indicates here that this gift of faith is not something that every believer has. If you just glance back at those verses, you'll see that Paul keeps using this phrase to another, to another. To another, to one Christian is given the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, and to another, Paul says, faith. A clear indication that not every believer has this gift of faith, only some as the Holy Spirit wills. Okay, pause. What is this gift of faith then? Well, I think Paul helps us with that here in these chapters. If you flip over, hold your finger there, flip to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2. Paul mentions a couple spiritual gifts here now in this section with spiritual gifts, and he says this. He says, and if I have... Prophetic powers or the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries on all knowledge and if I have all faith So as to remove mountains But have not love I am nothing and Paul was probably thinking there of this gift of faith So this gift of faith is a faith that moves mountains or it's a faith that trusts God for and then does some seemingly impossible thing. You know, you may remember that Jesus, on multiple occasions, he said that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, a small amount of faith, you have the faith. You could stay to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would. Or, Paul, or Jesus was simply saying, you could do a seemingly impossible thing if you had this faith. And Paul seems to be connecting that here to this gift of faith. So, it's, and it's probably not always that. You as a Christian might just have enough faith to believe in some, God doing something seemingly impossible, but this gift of faith also seems connected to that. It's this mustard seed of faith produced in you by the Holy Spirit that enables you to trust God for, and it enables you to do a seemingly impossible thing. It's not some sort of faith that you work up inside of you. And I think a lot of people have gotten into abuses there. You just got to strive and work up this faith, kind of muscle it up in you. But it's not that. You're not sitting there saying, I I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. No, this is a gift from the Holy Spirit. This is a gift the Spirit does within you. Now, it, 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 it could be more of a permanent gift of faith. That once you've received this, then you just have this ongoing measure of extra faith in your Christian life that inspires the people around you? Or it may be just kind of a more occasional type of faith. The the Spirit just empowering Christians with additional faith at certain times to believe for certain things. This sudden Holy Spirit surge of faith in a particular situation of, of need or, or of challenge. This sudden boost of extraordinary certainty, assurance that God can and will move in this certain situation and do something that seems to be rather impossible. When you think about this gift of faith by the Holy Spirit, it could possibly take many different forms Many people have pointed to the life of George Mueller of Bristol, and just a great example maybe of this gift of faith over an entire life. I have a photo here of George Mueller, 1800s in in England. That is what my beard would look like if I grew it out uh, all the way. A uh, Man, I remember reading the biography of this man, George Mueller, when I was in middle school. And, and it, it's just the testimony of a man who had extraordinary faith in God. And he had extraordinary faith for a particular thing. George Mueller was just convinced that God wanted to provide for orphans through him. So he started orphanages. Ultimately caring for over 10,000 orphans without ever asking anyone for even one penny. He just trusted God. This deep down faith That God had called him to do something, and that God would provide for these orphans, and God did. Throughout the course of his life, eighteen hundreds, over six million dollars passed through his hands. Never asked for one cent. Miraculous stories in this man's testimony. George Mueller, on many occasions, had no food for his orphans, and just minutes before the meal. He received unsolicited food to feed them. There was one occasion he actually sat the orphans at the table and he gave thanks for a breakfast they did not have, trusting God to provide, and the baker, town baker, then suddenly knocked on his door just so happened to have some extra bread and wondered if they could use it at the orphanage and the milkman's cart then broke down right outside and he wondered if they could use some milk it's just this amazing faith in this man and you can look at the man and you can boast in him you could glorify him, or is it possible that was a Holy Spirit gift of faith? Sovereignly given to this man to trust over a lifetime that God would do this. That is maybe an example of the gift of faith over a lifetime, or, you know, the gift of faith, it, 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 it could be just a sudden surge of faith that a Christian might have in persecution. Think back in the Roman Colosseum maybe. Christians being thrown to lions back then. There are many stories of Christians back in the Colosseum who got this sudden boost of faith. They were formerly terrified of persecution. But suddenly now, they're strong. Confessing Christ to death. Which strengthened the remaining Christians. Possibly this gift of Faith, the Holy Spirit empowering on the spot, one Christian, which then benefited all the other Christians for the common good of the body that was there. And you know, this gift of faith in Paul's mind, it was also probably connected to some degree to healings and miracles. Because in verse 9, if you look there, Verse 9, Paul mentions the gift of faith, and then he instantly mentions the gift of healings and miracles. So it's probably connected in some way uh, to Paul, for Paul, this faith, Paul says, that moves mountains or this, this faith given to you in a certain circumstance that then empowers you to believe for and to pray for some seemingly impossible healing or miracle, and God then acts. And God does it according to your faith, the Bible says, of faith that God just gave you. So again, you don't boast in it. God supplies the surge of faith, and you believe that God will do this. You pray. You have a sudden confidence God is going to do this. And God does it according to the faith that He gave to you. Sam Storms tells of a time a young couple came to him. This young couple asked uh, for Sam and the other elders of the church to pray for their infant son. He was two weeks of age. He had a serious liver condition. Uh, in one of Sam's books, you can read the letter the mother wrote. A specific condition, very serious. doctor said that because of his, his liver levels, that this child either had a liver blockage that would require surgery or He had a liver that would not work, and he required a transplant, and the families wanted prayer. So Sam and the other elders gathered around the family. They prayed like they'd done many uh, other times before, but Sam Storm said that on that occasion, he experienced something different. He said this. He said, as we prayed, something very unusual happened. As we laid hands on this young child... I found myself suddenly filled with an overwhelming and inescapable confidence that he would be healed. It was totally unexpected. Not wanting to be presumptuous, I tried to doubt, but couldn't. I prayed confidently, filled with a faith unshakable and undeniable. I said silently to God, Lord, you really are going to heal him. Although the family left the room unsure, I was absolutely certain God had healed him. The next morning, the doctor agreed the baby was totally healed and is a healthy, happy young man to this day. And Storm's actually, in the story, he actually said to the mother, after they prayed, your son will be just fine. And he said he never did that. Just this sudden confidence, this faith that God would heal this child, and God did. So we don't know exactly how it works, but that's one gift Paul mentions here. The Spirit might give to a believer, this gift of, of faith. And a second gift that Paul mentions here, healing, or more properly, gifts of healings. Look at verse 9. To another is given faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Gifts of healing. And I'm not exactly sure why translators chose uh, there to say gifts of healing. Healing singular because in the Greek both of the words are plural. Paul literally says that the Spirit gives gifts of healings, and those plurals, I believe, are very significant. That, I believe, is a very strong indication from a very strong indication that Paul believed there were various gifts of healings. That Paul did not view this thing as if there was just this one universal gift of healing and a person could then heal at will. I have received the gift of healing. I have the one and only gift. And I can now heal anyone just about any time I want. No. Paul says the Spirit gives gifts of healings which implies various or diverse gifts of healings now we don't exactly know how that works it it could be that some of these gifts of healings are not as permanent but they're maybe more occasional and that the spirit empowers someone maybe just at a certain time or just one particular healing, a gift of healing there. Or maybe the Spirit gives a believer the ability to heal certain types of diseases with some sort of, of frequency, but not the ability to heal other types of diseases. Maybe the Spirit just seems to work through you to heal backs or, or seizures or something, but you just can't heal everything. We don't know. Those plurals are significant. John Piper says this about these plurals here. He says, I think this probably means that different kinds of gifts for different kinds of healings are given to various people according to God's sovereign will. This alone would suggest that one person will not have a monopoly on every sort of healing that is necessary, and it suggests that there will be many times when a person with some gifts to heal will not be able to heal in other circumstances. but whatever Paul means by gifts of healings, that plural language I believe is a very strong indication that paul he did not view this thing as if there was just one universal gift of healing, and the person who received that gift could then. Heal at will, supposedly heal anything, at just about any time. D.A. Corson, in his book, Showing the Spirit, he says this, Note these remarkable plurals. Gifts of healings in all three occurrences in this chapter, verses 28 and 30 also. This strongly suggests that there were different gifts of healings. Not everyone was getting healed by one person. And perhaps certain persons with one of these gifts of healing could, by the Lord's grace, heal certain diseases or heal a variety of diseases, but only at certain times. Perhaps then, this is important, perhaps then, one of the things that our own generation needs to avoid is the institutionalizing of gifts. If a Christian has been granted the gift to heal one particular individual of one particular disease at one time, That Christian should not presume to think that the gift of healing has been bestowed on him or her prompting the founding of a healing ministry. And that is tremendous correction for many of the abuses that we've seen with so-called faith healers. Many So-called faith healers have claimed to have the gift of healing. Implying they can heal just about any and every disease, deformity just about any time they want. And on many occasions they have then institutionalized that gift, as Carson says, creating this healing ministry and then go on the road or go on the air, I can heal you no matter what you have just about any time if you just give money to my ministry. And you can see that stuff all over the place. But please hear this. The Bible says nowhere that there's this one universal gift of healing. Never. But gifts, plural, of healings, plural. Now somebody might have stronger gifts of healings, and the Lord working through them to heal maybe many people at times or multiple people. But plural, gifts of healings. And Paul says in verse 11 that all these spiritual gifts in this passage, including all these gifts of healings, they are all empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. These, these gifts, they, they just don't operate according to the will of man. But they operate according to the will of God. This, the Holy Spirit blowing, as John 3 says, like the wind, wherever he sovereignly wills. And listen, you know, I know it's hard for some. You hear of healing and you hear of different things, and then it's a struggle. Why didn't my relative get healed? Why didn't I get healed? Why, why, why? And, and if that's you, man, all the grace in the world to you. God feels your pain. God God sees your pain. And please hear this. Until Jesus returns, we will probably never know why God sovereignly wills to heal some and not others. Why God sovereignly wills to bestow a gift of healing to heal this person, but not that person. But please hear this. It is all ultimately in God's hand. Not ultimately in ours. And there's great peace there. And there's great comfort there. Listen, any person who claims to have some universal gift of healing can heal any disease at just about any any time. Listen, that is either someone who's just very misguided and needs some serious biblical teaching on the spiritual gifts, or it's a snake oil salesman looking to make money off of you. That's all it is. Listen. Listen. Apart from Jesus Christ Himself, there has been no one in history who's been able to heal just about everyone at any time. Not even the twelve apostles. There are many examples in the Bible when those apostles who clearly had gifts of healings operating in them, who were clearly healing some people, Well, there are many instances in the Bible where they could not heal other people because there's never been just this one big universal, the gift of healing. I can heal heal anyone at any time, but gifts of healings, plural, some gifts may be stronger in some people, some gifts may be weaker, some with gifts, maybe for this particular type of sickness, some with maybe gifts for another type of of sickness, some with more permanent gifts, maybe, some with more occasional, on the spot, for maybe one moment type of of gifts. We, we, We don't know, but all those gifts of healings operating as the Spirit sovereignly wills. And can we pause and can I say something here? When it comes to this concept of healing, man, it's just something I think that's so important for our entire church to recognize. It's possible that you're here today and you believe these gifts of healings are no longer operating today. I mentioned in my previous sermons that some Christians believe certain gifts of the Holy Spirit died out in the first century when the original apostles died. My cessationist friends, and I have, I have many of them, and cessationists typically believe that these gifts of healings died out in the first century. If that's you, you believe that, can I say that's okay. We, we don't believe that as elders. We believe all the gifts continue today, but listen, you are more than welcome here believing that, and I, I certainly mean that. And here's the thing, I don't know that it really makes all that much difference. You know why? Because most of the people I know who believe that these gifts of healing are no longer operating today, my cessationist friends, well, most cessationists still believe God can heal today. They don't believe maybe that the Spirit gives those gifts of healings, but they do believe God can still heal. As He wills. The reason they still... Pray for people to be healed. And you know what? I am perfectly fine with that. It doesn't matter to me whether you view it as gifts of healings that God gives today for people to be healed or you just believe God heals through prayer. I just want to be in a church that believes God heals. I just want to be in a church that believes that God still heals. A unified faith that God is all-powerful. That God can do anything He wants. At any time, He's pleased to do whatever He wants in heaven or on earth. I want to be in a, uni- a church that's unified. A unified prayer for Healing. Fasting at times for healing. A unified looking to God for healing. For the common good of the body of Christ around the world. And, and listen, we will probably start to make a little more room for that. To, to pray together for healing in our services or our, our, our life groups. We, we will probably have prayer ministry teams that will begin to pray for people. But listen, whatever you call it. Whether you call it gifts of healings or you just call it healing through prayer, whatever you want to call it, man, let's just seek God together. Let's not just talk about it. Let's seek him for it. Let's pray for it. If and when the body of Christ needs it, if and when we need it here in this body, because God still heals today. Sam Storms, in one of his books, he tells about a woman in Wales, Marjorie Stevens. He received a written testimony verified by many people. In 1955, Marjorie Stevens was afflicted with severe multiple sclerosis, lifted in and out of a wheelchair for five years, legs and left arm useless, left eye closed, vision in her right eye virtually gone, would lose consciousness for hours at a time. And on February 4th, 1960, Marjorie said that she had a dream. She saw herself sitting in a chair by her bed, healed. She heard a voice... That she believed to be that of Christ, who said, Terry, a little longer. Wait, a little longer. And she then got worse. Her Her speech eventually so impaired, people could not understand her. But then here's what she wrote in her testimony. On Monday, July 4th, exactly five months after God had spoken to me, my Lord healed me. In the very chair of which I had dreamed, I had said goodbye to my husband at five minutes to six on that Monday morning, a helpless woman. At 6.15, my mother gave me a cup of tea. At 6.20, my father and mother lifted me from my bed, strapped me in the chair beside the bed, put a bell in my good hand to summon aid if needed, and left me alone. Then, in a matter of seconds, when I was all on my own, my Lord Jesus healed me. I felt a warm glow go over my body, my left foot, which was doubled up, straightened out. My right foot, the toes of which were pointed towards my heel, came back into position. I grasped the handle of my bedroom door, which was beside me, undid the straps, which were about my body, and said, by faith I will stand, which I did. With that, I thought of my mother, and the shock it would be to her if she came back to find her daughter standing after so many years. So I sat down and called for her, and with that, both my parents came running to my room, thinking I was in need of them. I said, Mom, dear. Take my hands. Please don't be afraid. Something wonderful has happened. I put out my right arm, and as I did so, my left arm came out from behind me and joined the other. It was so wonderful, a few minutes afterwards, to find I could wear my own wedding ring, which I had not been able to do for years, as my fingers of that hand had got so thin. My mother said, Darling, how wonderful. Your hand is warm and is well again. And I said, Mom, dear, it's more wonderful than that. I can stand. And with that, holding her hands, I stood once more on my two feet. Then gently putting my parents to one side, I said, Dears, I do not need your help anymore. I am walking with God, unaided. I then walked from my bedroom through the small dining room to the kitchen, my parents following mutely behind me. When I reached the kitchen, I turned and went back into the dining room, taking off my glasses. I said, Mom, I can trust God for my hands and feet. I can trust Him for my sight. And with that, in a moment, my left eye opened and my sight was fully restored. In fact, Jesus made such a perfect job, I do not need the glasses I had before I was ill, and I am now writing dozens of letters a day to him be all the glory. And 30 years later, Marjorie Stevens was still alive and healthy, and healthy. Listen, our God can, and our God does still heal, and you know in your heart. That God, the almighty King of the universe, who created our bodies initially, can restore our bodies in and through Christ. And every healing is a picture of that final day when we're all raised again in perfect resurrection bodies. God still heals. So listen, whatever you call it, gifts of healings, or you just call it God heals through prayer. Okay, let's be together and let's ask God for healing. Let's pray, let's seek God for healing in and through our local church body so that's the gift of faith that's the gifts of healings and one final gift today miracles or the workings of miracles if you look at verse 9 one more time Paul says to another believer to another Christian who's given faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the one spirit to another the working of miracles and once again don't quite understand the translation. In the Greek, both words are plural. Paul says they're literally the Spirit gives workings of miracles. Or it could be translated as deeds or even energizings of powers. The Spirit gives energizings of, of powers. The Greek word is dunamis, it's the word from which we get dynamite. The Spirit empowers at times these deeds of powers, these workings of miracles within His body. And the plurals, once again, are significant. Paul indicating, again, I believe, that there's not just one big universal gift. I have received the gift of miracles. I can now perform any miracle you want if you give me enough money. It is according to my will. What do you need? No. The Spirit gives workings of miracles, indicating that there is again probably some variety here in how this plays out. The Spirit may be bestowing the gift over here for this this particular occasion, and some some miracle here, and then empowering some Christian over here for for that occasion, as the Spirit so sovereignly wills. D.A. Carson says this, he says, the plurals are again noteworthy, and probably signal the same sort of diversity as in the previous gift, the gift of healings. There's probably great diversity, variety again, in how the Spirit sovereignly bestows at times these workings of miracles or deeds of powers. And Paul's probably thinking now, when he's talking about these deeds of powers, he's probably thinking now a little differently than physical healing. Wayne Grudem says this, Paul here lists healings as a separate gift. Therefore, in this context, he must have something other than, than physical healing in view. So think of other things, deeds of powers, other maybe than physical healings. You know, uh, uh, some examples uh, of these workings of miracles might, might include things like we see in the life of Samson in the Bible. You know, I think a lot of people, when they think of Samson, just picture him in your mind. Did you picture this huge muscular guy in your mind? Like this guy's really been lifting some weights because he does some pretty incredible things. I don't think that's what Samson looked like. I don't think he was big and muscular and strong. How do we know? Because everybody kept asking him, where in Samson does your strength come from? Oh my word, how are you so powerful? Samson might have been the measliest guy on the planet at that point. And everybody was astounded. These were supernatural feats in Samson's life. They were Holy Spirit feats. How do we know? The Bible says. The Bible says repeatedly that the Holy Spirit would rush on Samson and he'd then do these seemingly impossible things. He'd defeat all the Philistines with a jawbone, or he'd carry the, the city gates up onto a hill, or he'd topple an entirety, entire banqueting house by pushing on the pillars. These were Holy Spirit deeds of powers. And it is possible that this gift, these deeds of powers or workings of miracles, might include things like, like that. The, the Holy Spirit just empowering a Christian sometime to do some seemingly impossible thing. A, a Christian may be empowered to lift something all of a sudden. That, that Christian, there's no way that Christian could lift and a person's life is saved. Vijay Misal, our missionary friend in India, he tells how he was in a car in India, upside down, submerged underwater, unconscious for 20 minutes. They were trying to get him out. And they got him out, and he lived. A possible example of a working of miracles by the Spirit. Or, it, Paul might be thinking here of casting out of demons. Do you realize that not every demon disappeared in the first century? Do you know that? Demons still exist. Bible's clear. I think many of you have probably run into situations where you knew there was something not right in this person. And Paul could be thinking of these workings of miracles of casting out of of demons, the the power to do that. Or maybe think of some sort of nature miracles. You know, you can think of the life of Jesus, cursing a fig tree or turning water to wine. Or or Paul, Acts 13, pronouncing judgment on a magician and he's instantly blinded. He's not healed, he's blinded. Or there's a man, uh, you may have heard the story, Brother Andrew. He used to smuggle Bibles across, uh, he he would smuggle them behind the Iron Curtain during the height of the Gold War. The the Gold, the Cold War. And I'm looking for that, Gold War, wherever that is. I'll go fight in that war. They're shooting bullets of gold, man, (laughs) let's go. So he's smuggling Bibles, this man, Brother Andrew, and as he brought these illegal Bibles across the borders, he would pray. He had a prayer. Lord, when you were on earth, You may blind eyes see. Now I pray, make seeing eyes blind. And he said there were multiple occasions when the guards searching his car stared right at these illegal Bibles and did not see them. Another possible example of these workings of miracles by the Holy Spirit. This gift, workings of miracles, powers, uh, uh, deeds of powers. And pause there for a second, because again, you might be here today and think that this spiritual gift, the workings of miracles, is is no longer active today, my cessationist friends. And once again, that's fine. That's fine. I don't know that it actually makes all that much difference, because most of the people I know who think this spiritual gift, the workings of miracles, has ceased. Well, they still believe that God can work miracles. They still believe it. They don't think He gives the gift anymore. But they'll still pray for miracles around the world. And I just want to be in a church that believes God can and still does work miracles. I want to be in a church that will pray for the body of Christ around the world. That God will do miraculous things. And show himself to be the powerful God that he is by working miracles. Our God can do anything. All that he pleases, he can do. All that he pleases. And I I don't want to be in a church that just talks about it. I want to be in a church that believes it. Because the Bible talks about it. And if you're here today and you think this gift has ceased, chances are you still believe that God can work miracles through prayer. And I'm fine with that. So whether you call it the gift or the workings of, of miracles or the deeds of powers, which I will call it, or whether you just pray for miracles, let's believe and let's pray. And let's seek God for his power in and through healings, in and through miracles. Because listen, here's over the years as I've talked spiritual gifts, and I've talked about it for years, 20 years or so now, here's what I've found a lot. You know what happens a lot? Is people start talking, say, about the gift of healing, the gifts of healings. And there's, you start arguing. What do we call it? Is it the gifts of healings or is it just God working healings through miracles? Or God working healings through prayers? What do we call it? And you're arguing about what to call it and all of a sudden nobody actually believes it's done anymore. And you've actually stopped kind of really believing and praying for it to be done. So man, God help us, wherever you believe, whatever side of the fence you're on, we believe God still works miracles. So man, let's pray. And let's seek for God to do healings and miracles in and through us or the body of Christ around the world. And you know, that's it. Those, those are the three gifts for today. Listen, you, you know a lot of what this whole series is when we're looking at these gifts. It's not to cause division, it's not to do anything like that. You know what a lot of it is? It's a prayer. It's, it's a cry from our hearts. Lord, help us to be more aware that you are actually with us. That you are actually with your people. The all-sovereign God of the universe, all, all-powerful, that you, you are here. And this God who is with us, he, he leads us. He speaks to us. He guides us very intimately. He empowers his, his people. So, Lord, stir our hearts by your Spirit to believe that you do these types of things in and through your people around the globe. So, man, may God stir your heart. May you begin to believe, begin to expect, begin to pray for God to do these types of things. Well, Lord, we bless you. We thank you for your word. We would just pause here for a second and just say, you, you, Lord God, You are the sovereign creator of all things. You have created all things in heaven and on earth for your own glory. And the God who created these things can interact with these things. The God who created a miracle in Genesis, creating all things, can do miracles and healings and things now. So Lord, give us all that you would give us here in this church. And from my perspective as lead pastor here, I would pray, Lord God, Please give us all the gifts of the Spirit you would be pleased to give us here. Lord, don't let there be unbelief in our heart that would be an obstacle. Don't let there be fear in our heart that would be an obstacle. Lord God, give us all the gifts of the Spirit, all these manifestations of you in our body that you would be pleased to give us. I would pray, Lord God, for the gift of faith. The gift of faith in believers here in this room. Whether that gift of faith would just be an increased faith throughout their entire life or an occasional strong faith that would enable them to believe for things. Lord, give the gift of faith. Lord, give the gifts of healings in our body, we pray. Lord, give us these gifts of healings, we pray, so that we might believe for and pray for and receive, according to our faith, the, the, the healings that we do pray for. Lord, give us the workings of miracles in our body, and around, in, in your body around the globe. Father, we would ask you for more of the gifts of your spirit. We thank you for them, Lord God. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen.